I slide for my country. Team USA. I slide for every little girl who thinks she can be anything until she doesn't think it. She knows it. I slide for Vanetta Flowers, who inspired me when I was that girl. I slide for my mom and dad for giving me the gift of sports. And for my own family now, for my son, Nico, who reminds me every day that disabilities are just abilities in disguise. I slide for future Olympians. Wishing, wondering, but never waiting. I slide for teachers, nurses, innovators, storytellers, and creators. I slide for you, and you, and you, and you. I slide for the team of tomorrow. Hey, Scott. Hey, Rebecca. We have a really cool guest today. We sure do. She's an Olympian. She's a pretty big deal. She's on quite a few commercials. She's everywhere right now. She really is. I could not believe that she took the time. Why did she say yes to us? I don't know. I mean, we're just a couple people in Burleson, Texas. I know. And they were in the middle of bath time. Bath time with Nico. Yeah, who's an awesome little guy. Yeah. And so, her husband was finishing bath time so she could so be with she us. She could be with us. Oh, it was so wonderful. I don't know why, but it was awesome. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> well, it was cool to hear about how she trains and how she multitasks as a mom. We because you can yeah, you can definitely relate to that. Right. And also she opened up about her faith and coming mm-hmm. to Christ and mm-hmm. just witness to that. So it's just an amazing conversation that I can't believe we just had. That was really cool. But one of the things I thought was really cool was yeah. that she eats cake. <laughs> Honestly, she's an Olympian. And yeah. She loves sweets. And that's I'm like, that's food. my girl. <laughs> All right. We hope you enjoy this interview with Alana Myers Taylor. Okay. So you, you were born in California, right? And then you grew mm-hmm. up in Georgia. So how did, how does a person in Georgia get to bobsledding? Yeah, so not typically a winter sport community no. or anything like that. Um, 
but I decided at the age of nine that I was going to be an Olympian um, and I was going to do whatever it took to get there. And so I played softball, basketball, track and field, soccer, you name it. I played it and then decided in college, I want to specialize in softball and go for the Olympics there. So uh, I played in college at George Washington University, played professionally, and then had an Olympic tryout. And this was the trial that I was waiting my whole life for. And it was an absolute disaster. Like it was the worst tryout in the history of tryouts. Like it was so bad. Um, So I didn't make the Olympic softball team. So and softball had actually been taken out of the games after that point anyways. So in order to be an Olympian, I need a new sport. So it was actually my parents who saw Bob Stud on TV and said, hey, why don't you try this? They look for strong, fast, powerful athletes. Um, they Athletes get into it after their first sport, so to speak. Uh, so you could try this. And I was like, sure, why not? Googled it, emailed the coach and got invited to a tryout. <laughs> That's so crazy. You're saying Bob Sled is usually an athlete's second sport? Like yep. most people don't go into that. Yeah. There are very few people who can actually grow bobsledding. You have to kind yeah. of live in a, a either Lake Placid, New York or Park City, Utah, where our bobsled mm-hmm. tracks are. And even then there's only like small junior Bob programs. It's not very right. big. We do have a youth Olympic team now. Um, so people 16 to 18 can get into bobsled and actually go to the youth Olympics, which is pretty cool. Um, and there's not much competition for it because there's not too many people living in those areas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's mostly a sport for older athletes, I would say. Right. Yeah. What, um, what position did you play in softball? I was a shortstop pitcher in third. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. We, we got married on a softball field. We got married at home plate. So. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> we, we still play. Not we try like, to. It's not like we used to, yeah. But, but yeah, we still do get to play. So, <laughs> so your husband is also a bobsledder, Nick, right? Yeah. So how did y'all, how did you two meet? So we met bobsledding. Um, so we didn't get married on a bobsled track. But he, I was actually bobsledding already and I was working in recruitment for the team um, and he had tried out for the team. And one of my duties uh, in recruitment was to make sure that none of the paperwork got lost. So I set up all these systems and lo and behold, his paperwork gets lost. So finally um, we figure out who he is and I get on the phone with him four hours just four hours of talking, uh, not all bobsled, <laughs> mostly bobsled, not all bobsled. And then, you know, two months later, he came in person to Lake Placid, New York, and we were dating and, and been together ever since. Wow, that's so cool. How long ago was that? How long have you been married? 2011, and we've been married since 2014. 2014. Mm-hmm. So now you have a son. His name is Nico. Yes. Tell us all about Nico. He seems like a pretty cool dude. I've watched some pictures, looks at some videos of him. Talk to, tell he, us about him. Yeah, he is two years old and he is definitely the light of my life, light of both of our lives. And he yeah. just brings so much joy into both of our lives. And it's just been a whirlwind ever since he was born. So he's born early, um, spent some time in NICU, and then was also born with Down syndrome and profound bilateral hearing loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's aided now with cochlear implants. So initially there were a little bit of struggles there, just trying to figure out how and you know, this is something that's going to continue for the rest of our lives. What is the best way to get him what he needs and what exactly does he need and figuring all that out. So that's been a continuous journey. And obviously for any parent, that's a continuous journey, but even that initial diagnosis is what do we do from here? Where do we go from here? And 
how do we make this all work? And he is just the biggest trooper. He's traveled all around the world with us. He's great on flights. Um, people are always amazed to know that we even have a baby on flights. And, and wow. so he's been to more countries now than most people do in his, their entire lifetime. And that's all before the age of two. Yeah. And were you, did you find out these things about him when he was in utero or not? Till no, okay. not, not until, him. not until after he was born. So, oh, and, wow. and actually we had made a decision that we were going to do any testing because for us, it didn't matter, you know, um, and, and we didn't want to find out the gender either. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and we knew like it, it wasn't an option of, um, you know, as long as, as long as he could be born, he was going to be born. So there was never a question to us. Right. Um, so we didn't feel like it was necessary. We felt like maybe it would cause us more anxiety than anything yeah. else. <laughs> For sure. So how do you juggle your intense schedule with, with him? You know, when you're, I mean, mom first, I mean, I know how that is. How do you, how do you juggle that? What's your day well, look like? Well, it's crazy. Cause initially I had all these best laid plans set out and I was going to, you know, drop them off, whether it was at daycare at the gym or have my friends watch them or anything like that. Like I had all these plans laid out and then yeah. COVID. Um, uh, so he's yeah. a COVID baby. So sure. that shut down everything. So pretty much for those first two years, really, he was just going with me to my workouts. He was at, at the track with me, or, um, we set up a gym, uh, in our, in one of the garages in our apartment complex. And he was there at the, at the garage there. And, and, <laughs> you know, he just went with me everywhere because we had no other options really at that point. So, yeah. um, you know, he's a trooper for that as well. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And nowadays, like I have a lot of help. My husband, obviously he's my coach too. So it kind of helps. Like he was at my trainings and stuff like that and tag team with Nico and then he'd get his training in and, and things like that. And then also when we actually went on bobsled tour um, this past season, we actually had one of my teammates come on tour with us. One of my former teammates, she actually retired just to be able to take this position. And she came on tour with us and watched my son. Um, which was really cool. The year before wow. my husband did it, my husband just, you know, took off a season of bobsled and, and made sure we were all taken care of. And, and this past year, uh, in order to give my husband the best chance of making the team, um, we decided to have a caretaker with us. Yeah, that's probably smart. What a stressful dynamic of having your husband as your coach and dad and husband and that. <laughs> yeah, but he's, I mean, he's a jack of all trades. He's yeah. really good at handling everything. Sure. So, Okay, yeah. the teammate that came with you, teammate from softball or teammate from bobsledding? Teammate from bobsledding. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Just curious. Yeah. Sorry. I was trying to change the light because I was like, I have lines across my face. Uh, it looks kind of cool though. <laughs> it's a cool effect. Yeah. It's like an action movie. <laughs> so what have y'all learned from Nico in his short life? What have y'all learned from him? Oh my gosh. From Nico, we've learned just how strong a person really is. Um, I think one of the biggest things is with Down syndrome and with his hearing loss, he has to work really hard for everything. Like you know, he's not walking yet, but even to get to the position where he's sitting up, to get to the position where he's crawling and all these types of things, he has worked extremely hard. And, you know, he does the PT, he does OT, physical therapy and speech therapy and all these different things. And he has worked so hard to reach all of his milestones. And when you see that in, in a kid that's less than two, when you see them yeah. working day in and day out to do all these things, um, you know, it, it really humbles you in a sense. It really makes you realize what real strength is. And when I look at him and, and see what he's going through, it's like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll get through this workout. Oh, yeah. no piece of cake. I'll get through whatever is going on. And especially wow. because I've got the motivation now of not only showing him, but also, you know, taking care of him and providing for him as well. Right. He pushes you. And one day he'll probably be y'all's trainer. 
<laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> He's strong. He's really strong. So it's yeah, it's kind of crazy. That's so cool. So you mentioned COVID earlier, mm-hmm. and it kind of stinks because you spent two years not staying away from COVID. But then when you get to the Olympics, you test positive. So that had to be a punch in the gut for you. So how how did you process that? And then how was it like going through quarantine and all that? I mean, there had to be like a roller coaster of emotions there. Yeah, that was a serious uh, punch in the gut. Because like you said, we had done everything possible to not get it. And, you know, strict mask wearing and uh, I'm vaccinated and boosted and all the things above and hand washing, all those types of things. And we are still not sure how we even got it. Um, Before we got to China, we were staying in a house with seven other people uh, for a training camp going into the games and nobody else in the house got it. Um, And we had to do pre-Olympic testing um, and they're pretty strict to get into China. We passed all those tests, landed at the airport and that's supposed to be a pretty strict test too. passed that test. And then it wasn't until two days later that we turned out positive. Uh, So obviously, you know, we have no idea how we got it. But once we did get it, I think the number one concern was health and just making sure everyone was okay from a health perspective. Um, Luckily, we were all asymptomatic, which is great considering the pandemic, but also frustrating because you're like, I'm this athlete, uh, you know, I'm sitting in this room and I don't feel anything. Um, Yeah, yeah, I felt great. Uh, But, you know, because everybody's gone through such a hardship from a health perspective with COVID, we were concerned. And especially with my son, you know, down syndrome is a, a, a factor for worse outcomes uh, it, with COVID. So we were really concerned, but he handled it like a champ. He was actually the first one to get a negative test. Um, so, <laughs> you know, once we had that test, then it became, and we knew everybody was healthy. Then we, it became, you know, what are we going to do to get out of here as soon as possible? And, how are we going to get to competition? And mm-hmm. biggest thing was just trying to stay as positive as possible and do whatever we can in the room. And that was really the focus is doing whatever we can in the room. And, and whether it was workouts, uh, Mia was pumping so I can breastfeed to give to Nico to help his immunity. Um, and, you know, trying to make whatever we can out of the meals we were given, you know, it was everything just devoted to try and get out of there as soon as possible and get back to the competition arena. Yeah. So how many days were you in quarantine? Um, so started the 29th and I got, I got out the sixth. So, um, my husband and son got out on the 10th or something like that. So yeah, that's a long time. And we were isolated separately. So I had to be in a separate room for my husband who had to be a separate room. My dad was actually there to watch my son, um, as our caretaker and he and my son were in a separate room. And up until that point, the longest time I had been away from Nico was like, nine hours maybe and that yeah. was like when he spent the night at his grandparents house and that was like me leaving as late as possible and then getting there as early as possible in the morning yeah. so you don't um, miss a minute yeah. yeah 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 so to spend that amount of time away from him uh being at the olympics where i'm supposed to be at the peak of my game you know it was definitely a shell shock and definitely uh something that was definitely unforeseeable but you know i think we really managed it by trying to stay as positive as we could and really focusing on what we could control yeah. Could y'all FaceTime to, with each other from room to room Yeah, to keep in contact? <laughs> yep. We were primarily yeah. using FaceTime. Um, the hardest part was like Deco is not going to stay very attended to it. Um, yeah. As we, as we got more and more into it, he actually started paying more and more attention to it. But, you know, it also got to the point where he was getting a little stir crazy and he was like, he needs to see his parents. At the beginning, he was fine. He was fine yeah. the whole time. 
by the beginning it didn't seem like he was phased at all like us yeah. not being there but then as the days wore on you could tell he's like oh he needs to see his parents yeah so we've heard um that the food was terrible there <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes a it was. Couple other athletes that. tell us that but it, was it was pretty awful. rough yeah <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty bad. We actually, um, especially in quarantine, because they got the food to us and from the village, but by the time they got there, you know, I'd been sitting and everything like that. So they they had within time limits that I was supposed to be there. And it, and based off of the time on the package, it definitely made it in time, uh, but still it wasn't, it wasn't great. So we had dehydrated meals and we're actually using a water kettle to actually oh. cook dehydrated meals. Uh, and that's what really meal. sustained us. No, um, the USOPC Olympic committee had oh, okay. brought them. And so they would, we can get deliveries once a day when we were isolation. So they would deliver those for us and, and we'd smart. use a water kettle and get it going and I lost five pounds in isolation which oh wow for just being in there a week and being already in the shape of my life like losing five pounds at that point's a a good amount that's a good amount also uh how many other athletes there were nursing while they were competing in the Olympics (laughs) no zero (laughs) talk about multitasking seriously yeah that's you had a lot on your plate (laughs) yeah I mean that was the thing though too I I never even expected to go that long in our breastfeeding journey like originally I was like six months and we're done he's gonna be eating solid foods and we're done but with COVID you know it was like well this is the best opportunity for us because he can't get vaccinated this is the best opportunity for us to provide him some kind of immunity you know obviously unless I had had COVID it wouldn't be exactly the same antibodies but maybe through my vaccines and stuff he could have something so we just felt like it's the best decision for our family if we could to continue breastfeeding as long as we could as long as the pandemic was going on as well yeah Yeah, that's impressive I'm totally impressed (laughs) (laughs) so how it was how cool was it to have your whole family there even with even with COVID and everything yeah even with COVID I mean it was amazing because most people didn't have any of their family there and to be able to be with my husband day in and day out and have him supporting me at the track you know that was just amazing and, and that's a huge benefit to his athleticism for him making the team as well yeah because um, he was an alternate huge... right on the men's team yep yep so to have him yeah, there great. by my side and be able to help me out like that's you can't ask for a better support system than that um yeah. and you know it's crazy that both of us were able to make the team um given all that we had been through and given that we were the only two taking a kid on tour with us week after yeah. week. So um, the fact that he made the team and then was still able to be there and support me was absolutely huge. And then on top of it, then to have my dad be able to be there uh, because Nico needed a caretaker. It was really cool, especially. There's Nico right there. <laughs> yeah, especially awesome. in the Olympics where nobody else was allowed to have family members right. unless they were a coach or support staff or something like that. So to be able to have my dad there, like it was really awesome. Cool. They didn't get to go to the track. Um, it was just way too cold. They tried to pull some strings to get him out there, uh, but it was just way too cold for Nico. So he couldn't have gone out there anyways. Yeah. Wasn't it in, it was in the negatives, right? Like it was. Really I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea exactly what the temperature is, but by the time the wind chill hit, it was freezing. Like yeah. it was just, yeah, really cold. That sounds awful. Okay, so let's talk about your accomplishment. You you did a pretty big thing here. So you won a silver and bronze, right, in Beijing? Mm-hmm. Yep. And that made you the most decorated black winter Olympic athlete ever in the Olympics. 
So like, what does that mean to you? And Wait, while breastfeeding. While breastfeeding. Yeah, let's throw that, that's an asterisk. Next to no, it. I'm not going to just be able to forget that one. I mean, that's crazy. Like she She's like, I'm in quarantine, pumping and lifting. Yeah. I'm like, what? She went through all this stuff. And I don't she still do any of this. those things. Yeah. Never. So what does that mean to you personally? And what, what do you, what are you going to do with that platform now that you have it? Yeah. It's absolutely crazy um, yeah. to now be up there and have your name up there with some of the greats. You know, I know I knew Shawnee Davis had a lot of medals for the U.S. and had a lot of medals as a black athlete in the Winter Games, but I, I didn't know I was even close. Um, so to now hold the title, so to speak, um, it's cool. And also it's one of those kind of things that you hope somebody's going to break it pretty soon um, because, <laughs> you know, you want people to go out there and you want to leave a lasting legacy. My biggest thing is I want to show that winter sport is for all. Uh, not just black people, not just white people, but for all. And I think the more and more minority presence we have in winter sport, the more and more people are going to start to learn that winter sport is for everybody. Yeah. No, that's great. That's, that's awesome. so cool. Okay. Back when you were playing college softball, you encountered a dark period of time. Do you want to talk, can you tell, us, tell us a little bit about that? Like what, what was happening in your life at that time and how did you get through that dark time? Yeah. So um, my sophomore year of college, uh, my coach was fired in the middle of our season because she was for mental and physical abuse, emotional abuse um, yeah. of the team. And wow. so it was really, really a bad period of my life uh, because I had wrapped so much of myself in softball and thought all I was was an athlete. And so when you have something taken away and you go through something that traumatic, like you're just like, oh, you know, who am I without this? And, and how did this happen and how did this happened to me? And, and you have a lot of questions for me, it was really a, a faith-based journey at that point. It really starting to find my relationship with Christ and who I was in Christ uh, after, you know, my whole world was shattered. And fortunately I came out the other side and, and was able to learn a lot from that experience. And also the other thing that came out of that is that's why I started to be so passionate about athlete advocacy and doing everything I can to make the lives of athletes better. Um, I think my own experience in high, in college really really changed the way I, I thought about things. And I think even, you know, as a college sophomore, you, your goal is to go out there and win a national championship. And you think that's the only thing that matters. Yes. You're supposed to go to school and all this stuff. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, like you have such little foresight to know what really is going to end up being important in the end of the day. Like you're still a kid, like I was 19 years old. Yeah. Uh, you're still a kid. You still think you know everything. And, and at that time I thought softball was everything. So to go through that experience, it really changed me in a lot of ways. Yeah. So how did you come to know Christ? Uh, basically um, some of the students at the, which was it? I'm going to mess this up. It wasn't, I can't remember if it was athletes or action or uh, FCA at the time. Yeah. One of them, um, some of the students had reached out to me then and invited me to meetings and just being able to talk with them and talk with them about my experience is that's what kind of introduced me to Christ and, and being able to commune with them. And then also, um, you know, just doing some own reflection on myself because I had a lot of time to think, uh, a lot of time to, and actually I remember one day I was working out and I was actually reading a book on Buddhism and it kind of just overwhelmed me and hit me like all at once. It was just like, Oh my gosh, Christ is the way, uh, which was crazy. Cause you're like, I'm reading a book on Buddhism. Um, yeah. So you don't think it's it, really going to happen that way. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think it was just like understanding that piece and then getting mm -hmm. that piece. And then, you know, it was clear to me 
what what my path was. Yeah, that's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So you've inspired a lot of people throughout your career. Who are some people that have inspired you or inspire you now? Oh, number one, my mom. Um, my mom inspires me and, and she really showed me what a strong woman is. And she was my first example of what a strong woman is. I mean, she was, my dad served in the Gulf War and, and she was taking care of three young kids while he was away at the Gulf War, you know, not only worrying about how he is and what's going on over there and, and watching the news broadcasts and everything like that, but just handling three rowdy kids who you know don't really understand what's going on um you know each of us was dealing with my dad being away differently and things like that and and she handled it like a champ and she's done it our entire lives you know um she's really been there for the entire family so my mom has definitely played a role even in how i am as a mother and, and how i will parent my kids um you know my sister's obviously big inspirations to me too my husband is like the biggest inspiration for all he's overcome and he's the most positive person I have ever met and he has a lot of reasons to not be positive and it doesn't matter nothing shakes him and it's just so incredible to see him in a day in day out basis and sometimes I actually like feel bad because I'm like man it's just so you're just so positive regardless of, of what's going on around you. How can I be like that? Like, yeah. I don't want to bring you down, but I yeah. am not naturally that positive a person. So, uh, but he's just, just incredible. That's well, we have to give him props because he's finishing bath time. So we can talk to you right now. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's, so he's a superhero. Yes. Too, yeah, he's for a superhero. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Okay. So your number one job is obviously being a mom to Nico, but what does the future hold for you? Like what's on your plate right now? Where do you see yourself in four years? You know, right now I'm just really enjoying being a mom. Um, I haven't really had a second to slow down because actually as soon as I gave birth, you know, it's, it's back to training. It's back to getting ready for the next competition and everything like that. So right now we're just really taking a beat and, and slowing down for a second and just taking advantage of the time we're being able to spend at home and, and just yeah. going to be a mom for a little bit. Um, and then we'll decide what the next move is. I don't know. I do. I will compete again at some point. Um, what that looks like. I'm not really sure. Um, we want to continue to grow our family and, and how all this is going to work. We don't really know yet, but yeah, we'll, we'll take a second before we make any major decisions. Do you think you might go into coaching too, since Nick's already a coach? Do you think you nope. would do that? <laughs> nope. No, no. Actually, okay. actually while she's not pregnant, that positive. <laughs> yeah. Actually, while I was uh, pregnant with Nico, I did some coaching and, and things like that. And the thing about bobsled coaching is you have to be at the track every single day. You're standing in the cold, in curves, watching sleds. And I was just, and I, maybe it's because I was pregnant, but you know, I was 25 weeks pregnant, marching up and down the hill, watching other people slide in freezing cold weather. So I yeah. don't think it was just because I was pregnant, though. I think it's just that miserable for me as someone who doesn't like the cold. Like, I was like, yeah. nope, I'm not coaching. I can yeah. help people remotely. I could send them text messages if they need help, but <laughs> not going to be coaching. Not um, even softball coaching? Like, have you thought about that? You know, that was my dream for a long time. Was yeah. And that's what I was going to do. Go to the Olympics and, and play softball and then be a softball coach for the rest of my life. And that was just going to be fine. Um, yeah. And that's really what I thought the dream of dreams was. Um, <laughs> so now like I watch games and stuff and obviously I watch the world series coming up and things like that, but I've been out of the game for so long. I don't know. Um, yeah. I could get back into it, but we'll have to see. Yeah. So fun. we like to find out like when people got back from the Olympics, what, what was the first thing you did or like the first food you ate that was your comfort food for 
for getting oh, through all that. You're like Chick-fil-A. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> you're in the birthplace of Chick-fil-A right there. Right. So. Yeah. Well, when we got I, when we got back to the game, when we got back from the games, actually, it was such a long flight for Beijing. We landed in Salt Lake and then Salt Lake to Atlanta. We went to my parents' house and I just remember sleeping. Like it was just all of us just <laughs> laid on the floor and took a nap. Um, I think, yeah, I, I can't even remember eating anything. I think the biggest thing for me is just uh, I'm a big sweet foods person. Uh, I love all all the cakes so i've been having my fair share of donuts i've been having my fair share of cupcakes and different things and and it's just been really nice to be able to eat whatever i want Um, yeah and not have to worry about it right now (laughs) that's awesome well we appreciate you taking time with us today alana i know you're busy you're missing bath time to spend time with us today and we just want to extend the offer to you. If you're ever in Texas, we play co-ed on Friday nights, girl. You, we, you, we'll, we'll have a glove for you. You can come. Oh, perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Slow pitch. Slow oh, that's pitch. Okay. You got to slow okay. that swing down. You got to count to like four <laughs> or five. <laughs> it's a little different. And we can go to Brahms after the game and get ice cream. Get some so. ice cream. Yep. Yeah. We'll take care of you. We'll get you sweets and, and a softball glove. <laughs> perfect. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So thank you so much again. We appreciate talking to you. We learned so much from you and congratulations. I mean, what an accomplishment. Thank you so much. Thanks for having yes. me. I appreciate yes, it. Thanks. You have a Take great care. day. You too. Thank you. Bye. Rebecca Hardy. That was awesome. That was and so she is cool. awesome. She was amazing. She's one of my favorite people now. She's like a superwoman. She really is. How does she do all that? I don't know. <laughs> it's just crazy. I don't know. She's an Olympian. She's a mom. And she's a wife and she's doing all these things and she takes time to be with us. And I'm like, in the background, the kids back there. And I'm like, (laughs) I can't even imagine having that much energy. They must sleep really well. They must. Yeah. Probably better than we do, (laughs) I guess, because that was really cool. So, I mean, we hope you enjoyed that interview with her. We learned so much from these Olympians. I mean, there's just some cool insider stories. Yeah. Like you, just, you would never know. We wouldn't know that they're not sharing that with us or I'm not reading the things that they're sharing. So I just really love that. I think it's so neat to be a person. And we get the honest review of Olympic food as well. Honest review. That's right. Unanimously Beijing food was toward the bottom. Terrible. So we need to work on that next time. Terrible. I think Italy has the next winter oh, Olympics. Okay. Yeah. We'll see if they can step up their game. You think Italy would have good food, right? It seems like it. Stereotypically, well, I would think Italy's got good food. Okay, so the difference would be like question, questioning, like, is it a COVID issue? Because you know the uh, the mm. the athletes in Beijing obviously weren't able to mingle. Which I've been thinking about that. That's one of the saddest things about these Olympics was that usually there's just you come away with like this unified um, amongst the countries. We have like an international like unity, yeah, friendliness yeah. and. And, yeah. the, and most collectively, they didn't this time because they weren't allowed to mingle. Everybody was scared to death of getting COVID right? Yeah. because then they wouldn't be able to compete. So they were all isolated. So did that make the food worse? Because the food had to be like, especially when you were quarantining, like, I don't know, the food had to be delivered, like she said, which I thought was well, interesting. Well, Alana talked about the dehydrated food that they used too. They took, yeah. That the U.S. team had for them. Yeah. So, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know if the food will be better or not. It might be. We'll have to, we'll have to ask more questions in a couple of years. There you go. All right. We hope you enjoyed this interview because we had so much fun doing it. Hardy party five and a half over and out. We'll see you next time.